Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Welcome to Volume 11 of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. Uh, we don't really have a whole lot of news to cover this week, actually. We have none. <laughs> yeah, we so. were both looking earlier, and there's really nothing in the the retro gaming news this week. So um, we do have an interesting segment that we talked about last week uh, that we're going to do in place of it. Um, basically in light of the mini NES coming out, which is just about a month from now. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait for that to come out. Uh, we think that eventually a mini Super Nintendo is going to follow. I'm pretty much convinced that it's going to. I think as soon as Nintendo sees the popularity of the mini NES, uh, it's a no-brainer to put out the Super Nintendo. I totally agree. So what we're going to do is we're each going to go through... Uh, five games that we have picked that we would put on the mini NES. And Jason, why don't we start with your list? Okay. Um, did you put yours in any particular order? So I think I thought maybe we would start with five and then move down to one. What's funny is like I didn't put it in any particular order, but looking at it, it's probably the order that I would put it in if I was doing it in order. So okay. we, we can start with five and go up. So for number five, I kind of had a toss up. I would really like to see Super Metroid on the uh, the mini SNES, and I think that would be a no-brainer to have that on there since it is a Nintendo property, and it is an awesome game. But so is F-Zero, and F-Zero is definitely not as good of a game as Super Metroid, but I do think F-Zero is an important game, uh, especially for what it did for the Super Nintendo with using the Mode 7 graphics and everything. And it, it was uh, kind of a new era for racing games, and it led the way to Mario Kart. So I I would want to see F-Zero on there as well. So that's a toss-up for me, number five, F-Zero and Super Metroid. Yeah, I think those both definitely belong on there. They're both important to me in their own way. So I can definitely see the toss-up for sure. But uh, my number five, with, with my list, what I tried to do is I tried to come up with also a variety of different types of games. And my number five was Mortal Kombat. Uh, probably my favorite fighting game of all time. It's so iconic with those who grew up in the 90s. Everyone knows the theme song, the fatalities, the characters like Sub-Zero, Scorpion, you know, all of those. And I think if you put a fighting game on the Super Nintendo this is a no-brainer. It has to be on there. Yeah, between this and Street Fighter 2, whenever someone says fighting games, those are the two games that immediately pop into my head, even after all these years. 
they set the standard, especially Mortal Kombat. It was so next gen and just awesome. Because I, I remember the first time I was exposed to Mortal Kombat was the actual arcade game uh, at the place that I worked. The very first job that I had, they had Mortal Kombat, and I would play the hell out of that game. Oh, absolutely. Mortal Kombat is great. Yeah, it's it's definitely up there uh, and should be on the console. And it should have the blood, too. Not the green blood, the red blood. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for number four, um, I love 2D side-scrollers. And one of the best of all time is Final Fight. And that, to me, definitely has to be on a Super Nintendo console. Everyone should own a, a copy of Final Fight. It's funny because I think you've mentioned this game before on a previous podcast that we did, and I've actually never played Final Fight. You should. You should definitely keep an eye out for it. Um, and if they do have it on like Virtual Console or something, you should definitely pick up a copy of it because it is, I mean, it's just a straight-up button-mashing side-scroller beat-em-up, but that's all it ever wanted to be, and it excelled at it. And with games like that... It's good to have, you know, the simple objective and, you know, it, it's what it's supposed to be. Same thing with like the Ninja Turtles arcade game or Turtles in Time for Super Nintendo. It's it, it fits a certain objective, but it's very good at it. Yeah. Final Fight is what I picture what if they had moved the Double Dragon series to the Super Nintendo Final Fight is what it would have been because Final Fight is basically a Double Dragon ripoff. I definitely need to play this sometime. I don't know if it's on any virtual console, but it is something that I should add to my Super Nintendo collection. Absolutely. What's your number four? My number four, when you think of racing games, you have to think of this one. The original Super Mario Kart. This game changed the landscape, in my opinion, because they're still making the Mario Kart games. They're one of the most fun, if not the most fun, party game that you can get if you have a Nintendo console. And it all started with this one. And to me, it's still the hardest one because the controls are borderline awful. <laughs> it's so difficult to drive those things. I tried playing it on the virtual console. I was going to do a throwback Thursday Let's Play for it. And it was just really, really hard. Really hard. But uh, Mario Kart is one of my all-time favorite games, all one of my all-time favorite series, just because it's my favorite that and Smash Brothers are probably my favorite games to play with friends. Well, just gotta, because it can get so competitive. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you got to hand it to Super Mario Kart. I mean, that game is still around after, what, 25 years? Mm-hmm. I believe the that kinda, eighth one came out for the Wii U. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you know, that kind of longevity, there's something to it. And as hard as that first game was it was still a lot of fun and that's what games are supposed to be is fun and that's one of the games you can play with other people and still to this day have a lot of fun with it rainbow road still gives me nightmares to this day <laughs> anything that and with mario involving a rainbow road sucks i hate it yes especially uh what was it uh was it mario galaxy or was it Mario 64 when you had to, was there, uh, there was something, I don't know why, this. I might be getting this mixed up, but there's a, a level where you have to follow a penguin down like a, a rainbow chute or a snow, uh, ice, something. That's uh, Mario 64. Yeah, yeah you have to follow a penguin of. down a, a slide, you have yes. to race it. Oh, I hated that so much. Yeah, it was, uh, that was really hard, and then what's funny in Mario Galaxy there's actually a course, I think it's in Galaxy 2, called the Impossible Level or something like that. And it takes a long time to do. Like, I think I spent almost an hour in this one level. <laughs> yeah, anytime I see something with Mario where I have to not fall off of um, some sort of track, that just gives me nightmares. Absolutely. But uh, what's your number three? My number three is a game that I want you to uh, to review uh, as soon as you can find yourself a copy of it, or if you get it on Virtual Console, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Probably one of the top three best games for the Super Nintendo, hands down. 
it, this is a game that, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> allergy problems. Uh, it is that time of year. But oh, yeah, um, uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors is something I'm still looking for. If I can still find it, um, I want to review that for one of our Halloween episodes. If not, I'll be reviewing Mortal Kombat, but I am definitely on the lookout for it. Um, I actually read a little bit about the game itself a couple of days ago, and it just makes me want to play it even more. Oh, it's so good. It's it it definitely took what which there's a game I'm going to be reviewing um, maybe next week. Yeah, I'm going to review it next week. It's um it's Fester's Quest for the Nintendo, and it's an awful game. But the gameplay is Zombies Ate My Neighbors is very reminiscent of that gameplay, but made it better. And it's the same kind of uh, aesthetic of the game, like that weird, you know, kind of comedy horror genre type thing. So I, I think if you're into that sort of thing, you'll definitely get a kick out of the game. It's a very well-made game. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So if you can find it, anybody out there, please pick it up for your for your Super Nintendo. And there's a, a Sega Genesis version as well. It was one of those games. Cause I was talking about this with a friend the other day. There were a lot of games that this was kind of the precursor to what we know as games being on like both the PlayStation and the Xbox. There were g- several games that were released on both the SNES and the Sega Genesis. Yeah. And this was one of them. Yeah, it was a a third party release, so it's not exclusive to any console. But I think they were both very similar for the Sega and the Nintendo. I don't think there was very many, uh, you know, dissimilar, nothing dissimilar about them. Because there was a lot of games that were released for the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis that have the same name, but they were very different games. And that always confused me, but I think this is one of the few games that had, you know, they put it out for both those consoles, and it was the same thing for both consoles. Correct, and yeah, I remember that. I think one that comes to mind, I remember the Toy Story game. Yeah. The versions were different, and so was, I think, the Aladdin version. Yeah. So you you had some differences, but you also had some that were pretty much the same game. Yeah, and Beavis and Butthead was a very, you know, they were nothing alike for the each console. I can imagine. But uh what's uh, what's your number 3? My number 3 is a game that I reviewed on one of the first episodes of this podcast and that would be Donkey Kong Country. Yes. Uh, SNES, they're known for two things to me. RPGs and platformers. And this is a very fun platformer. It's a game that, you know, I followed when I first heard about it. Um, I love the Donkey Kong universe that they established with this game, with it not just being Donkey Kong, but he basically has a whole family that you get to interact with. All the levels are fun. There's a huge variety. You've got your jungle, uh, your snow mountains. You've got underwater. You've got factories, uh, even a giant pirate ship. Hmm. You know, who doesn't love pirates? Just the... Uh, the graphics alone on that game were just beautiful and so far ahead of their time. The backgrounds were so good going through all the levels. It was, it was about as good as you could get for that time as far as graphics go. Absolutely. And having all the different animals that you can ride, there's just so much to do in these games. And I mean, I love the sequels, but to me it all started with the original and it's still my favorite. So this is a no-brainer for me. Yeah. Uh, But what about you? What's your uh, number two? My number two would be a game that I've actually been on the hunt for for a long time. Even back in, uh, I think, 99, 2000, when I got into trying to find games for my Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Back then, I was looking for this game, and it's really hard to find. Even though it's not a rare game, it's just, I don't know why I have so much trouble finding this game. It's the Legend of the Mystical Ninja. This game caught my attention. I had rented it several times when I was a kid, but for some reason I never bought it, and I don't know why I didn't. And this game was so fun. Um, it's basically uh, it's an action RPG. It's not a full RPG. It's it's more like um, kind of like Zelda. You know, it's it's not an open world game. It had its levels. 
it had different levels, but you could also like buy power ups, uh, different things that you could uh, upgrade your weapons and all that kind of stuff. So it was a really good game. The graphics were top notch for the Super Nintendo. I mean, up there with, uh, you know, Legend of Zelda and and Donkey Kong Country. And it was just one of those games that not a lot of people knew about, but it's definitely ranks high up there on my list. And I would love to see it on a mini SNES. Yeah, this is one of those games I think you've mentioned in previous podcasts, and I've read a little bit about it, but it was just one that kind of slipped by me. Yeah. Because I was a huge Zelda fan, and you know, I had all my other ones that I played, but um, never Legend of the Mystical Ninja. This would be another one that I would love to eventually get my hands on and play. It was one of those games that you never really heard much about, but it was one of those that I discovered through rental. You know, I I went to rent a certain game and they didn't have it. And of course they had this one because nobody knew what it was. So I picked it up and rented it and ended up renting it for like the next three or four weekends in a row. But I never end up bought buying it. And I don't know why I didn't. I wish I would have. I miss the days of video and video game rental. Oh, I miss it so much, man. You have no idea. Uh, those, I mean, that's another thing we talk about on the show is that your know, stuff like that was just so much fun. Yeah. That was how you discovered a lot of games. I mean, and mm-hmm. you know, it, you could go to a, the, the rental store, rent a game. And if it sucked, well, I mean, you were, you were out what five bucks, four bucks at the time. And mm-hmm. it wasn't like going to the, you know, and buying a, a 50 or $60 game and then finding out that it's broken or it sucks. Or, you know, nowadays, most 99% of games that you buy straight out of the store are already shipped as a broken game. And you have a day one uh, patch to fix it. It wasn't like that back in the day. I mean, games had to come out finished. And that's something that Nintendo still likes to do to this day. And people give them, you know, a lot of flack for constantly delaying games. But it's something that they still believe in is they want a game to be totally finished when they release it. They don't like doing the whole day one patch and you have to install the game, which takes two hours. And then, oh, you have to install the update, which Mm -hmm. takes another hour and a half. Well, it's the same with Blizzard. Yeah, yeah, Blizzard, I mean, they'll hold on to a game for 10 years if they think they have to but until they release a, you know, a finished perfect game. And usually it's worth the wait. Exactly. I'd rather I'd rather wait, you know, years. Like if they if they come out and say, you know, there's a game I'm waiting for like let's say Mass Effect, Mass Effect 4. I'm that's pretty much the only PlayStation 4 game I'm waiting for. But if they come out and say, uh, it's going to be another year, I'm fine with that. If it co- if you put it out and it's perfect, I'm fine with waiting another year. But if you want to give me a half-assed broken game, n- no thank you. Oh, I, I totally agree. But let's move but, on. Uh, what, what do you have for your number two? Number two is my all-time favorite RPG, which I've reviewed on the show previously, and it is Earthbound. Uh, For those who have never played it, it's a very fun, quirky, very out there RPG. It's kind of like the uh, like Japan's take on Western civilization. It's kind of a satire in a way, but not in an offensive way. It's actually kind of funny. Yeah, (laughs) Um, it's a it's a very long game. So you'll have plenty of time to go through it. And to this day, Earthbound still has its massive cult following. And if you put this game as an option on the mini NES, that alone would sell consoles. Yeah, I believe and I so would, too. I would love to play it again, you know, just in its original form. And I really think if they do make a uh, mini Super Nintendo, they need to do some sort of uh, small hard drive on it or something to and, and have access to the, you know, the Nintendo store so you can download old games onto it that that would just be perfect for me and it kind of goes along with something i hope they do with the nx because nintendo has had now two different home consoles where you can download things the wii and the wii u where you can download like old nes super nintendo games the problem is you have to 
buy them again. Like, say, if you buy it for the Wii, you have to buy it again when you get a Wii U. Yeah. They need to do some type of transfer, and I think even if you could do that, like, say you buy uh, Super Mario World 2 on the Wii U or the NX Virtual Console, you should be able to port it over to the mini Super Nintendo. Yeah. If it's not be, already on there. Yeah, that would be a really good idea. Because, I mean, you know, PlayStation and Xbox do that with their downloadable games. You can move from one console to another. Exactly. And I think that alone would make a lot of people happy. Because I know people who work at IGN, because they talk about it on their different podcasts, how they're not happy with Nintendo when they do something like that. Because they don't want to buy Ocarina of Time three or four different times. Yeah. Anytime a new console comes out. I, I just think it would be smart to, you know, uh, there's so many games for the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo that I think need to be available through the Nintendo store. I mean, I, I think every single Nintendo and Super Nintendo game need to be available because these games need to be preserved and available. Yes, and the, the Wii did, I think, for the most part, a good job with releasing games, but the Wii U, their virtual console store is a joke. Yeah, they it's maybe half of what the Wii's virtual console library was. It was like they didn't care. Hmm. Like it was pretty much the same games and maybe one or two extras. But I really hope Nintendo gets their ducks in a row for the NX because I'm excited for that console. So they need to really blow us away when that thing comes out. Yeah, and to me, they're also kind of running out of time. Yeah. Because it's supposed to come out in March. We're in October. We've heard nothing. And they've said nothing. And I I said this a couple of weeks ago on the Nerd Cave podcast, but I honestly think that either this month or absolutely no later than November, they need to release everything about the NX. What it is, what its hardware capabilities is, how it's going to function and give some type of a launch window. Yeah. And they need to just bring out all the heavy hitters. They need to bring out, oh, say, you know, Zelda's available at March. Uh, Coming in April is Mario Galaxy 3. Coming in May is Metroid Prime 4. You know, bring out all the heavy hitters. Yeah. I agree. it's, It's something that they need to do, and I think with... This whole you know, mini NES, I think that's going to really spark the fire of Nintendo again. Yeah, and I think they need to do, I mean, I think next month is pushing it. I think they need to do some sort of announcement by the end of October. I mean, I would definitely prefer that. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, what's your numero uno, sir? Number one, I am... I know this was kind of a gimme, um, and so was yours, I see, <laughs> but not not the same game, but um, Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past is still one of the greatest video games that have ever been made, and it needs to be on the console, it needs to be preserved, people need to still play this game to this day, so it needs to be on the console. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Uh, this one is, to me, the first or second one they should put on there. 
because a lot of people who are Zelda fans, this is their favorite game. And it's probably 1A or 1B to me, this and Ocarina of Time for Nintendo 64. There is no other Super Nintendo game that I put more hours into than Link to the Past. I can't tell you how many times I would just start the game over after I had beaten it and I would go through again and again and again. <laughs> it's just, it's it's a linear game, but it's so much fun that it doesn't get old. It was, it's got a good story to it. It's yeah. It's got a great objective. The music is fantastic. Well, it was really one of the first games that I ever played that was open world. And I know that it's a linear storyline, but as you we, when you start the game out, most of the map is open to you. I mean, you're going to get killed if you go to certain spots, if you're not ready to go there. But it was just that total sense of freedom and, you know, the the aesthetic of the game, the... Um, the, the graphics, the music, the gameplay, it was all just a perfect storm, and it was just perfect. I totally agree. It's it's probably in my top... It's, it, I'm not going to say probably. It's in my top five all-time favorite video games. Yeah, and this, like I said, is either the first or second game that you put on the mini NES. And the other one that I think is either the first or second, depending on how you look at it, is my number one, and that is Super Mario World. Yes. My all-time favorite Mario game, I still enjoy it more than Super Mario 64, uh, Mario Galaxy, all the other ones. This, to me, it, it has incredible graphics for a 16-bit game. The music is so catchy. I can I know all of the songs by memory. And that should also tell you how much I played that game when I was a kid. Dude, I can't tell but, you, to uh, this day, I still walk around and I'll get uh, some theme songs from that game stuck in my head. Because it's just so catchy. <laughs> they just stay with you for however many years the game has been out. Yep. And it's obviously Mario. It's Nintendo's baby. So this is this is the definite. I think this would be, if they're making a list of games they're going to put on the mini super nintendo this is going to be the first one that they consider yeah it, it's just you know we we did a mario debate podcast you know it's one of our first ones and we discussed this game in depth so you can go back and listen to that one uh if you want to hear like our in-depth review of that game but it's just so so fun yeah, it's definitely still to this day. I mean, I, I love this game, and I'm going to say Super Mario Brothers 3 probably edges it out for me as my favorite, but this was still one of my favorite games of all time. Um, it ranks up there. It, it, it's pretty much a toss-up between Super Mario Brothers 3 and this, but I have just I, it's so hard for me to figure out which one I like better. Well, they're really the same game. They really are. In, in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's just really, I guess, which one you grew up with. Like, I know in that debate, you mentioned you grew up more with Mario Brothers 3 and me with Super Mario World. So when you tie in that sentimental value, like, that's to me is something that you can't really weigh into, you know, into a debate. And 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 I'll admit that most of my nostalgia for Super Mario Brothers 3 comes from The Wizard. That too, yeah. <laughs> we need to actually do a review of that movie. You know what we should do? Let's do a um. One night we should get Wally on the podcast as well, and we should do an audio track to the Wizard. Oh, like an audio commentary? Yes, like that. You oh, play I'd, along I'd love that with the movie and listen to us talk about it because I could talk about that movie all day. No, we should do it. We should do it as like a, a holiday special. That would be... Let's do it as a Christmas special. Let's do that for the Christmas episode. Yes, I love that idea. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to put this in the Google Docs right yes, now so do. we don't forget it. And it's going to be at the very top. So that's our top five list. Well, actually, top ten, I guess. Uh, two fives for uh, and what we would want on a Super Nintendo uh, Mini SNES. God, it's still so hard to say. Mini SNES 
So if you want to let us know what you would want on it, um, just let us know on Facebook or Twitter or even email us and we'll tell you all that info at the end of the show. But for right now, let's do this month in video game history. In 1985, in October, Atari Games released Gauntlet based on the lesser-known Atari 8-bit game Dandy. I had never heard that before. Gauntlet is highly profitable, letting players insert additional quarters for more health. I was never a big Gauntlet fan. I played the, uh, the what was that one? Yeah. Was it Tengen that had the black cartridges for the regular Nintendo? That was the, the version that I played. I can honestly say I've never played or really even heard of of Gauntlet. You played as a barbarian. It was a top-down uh, dungeon crawler, and you had four choices. You had the elf that was um, an archer. You had um, a barbarian, and I believe you had like a wizard and something else. I don't remember what it is now. It's been so long since I've played it. But each one had their own separate, um, you know, like close combat or ranged. Um, and you had to keep putting in quarters in the in the stand up console for, you know, in the arcade, you had to keep putting in quarters to, to get health. But in the Nintendo version, your health just constantly went down. And you had interesting. I don't rem- yeah. And I don't remember how you had to get your health back, but it was a pain in the ass. I remember that. Sounds like it. But I'll let you do the next one. In 1992, October 8th, Midway Games releases the Mortal Kombat arcade game in North America, which features bloody fatalities, digitized characters, and started a franchise of games and movies. Uh, Mortal Kombat, I remember when this game came out, it was just so different than anything else I'd ever played because even when it was on the Super Nintendo it was so different because with Nintendo, you think more of family games yeah. and Mortal Kombat. If you've ever played one of those games, you know that it's definitely not <laughs> a family friendly game, but it, it's my favorite fighting game of all time uh, next to, well, next to Super Smash Brothers. It's my favorite all time fighting game. Um, I remember the movie that came out like it's, it's bad, but I like it in it's a, a nostalgic sense. It's a good bad. I mean, it ranks up there with the kind of good bad that the wizard is. Yes. I will say there was a web series that came out a couple of years ago that someone did about the Mortal Kombat characters. There's like eight different episodes, and they each highlight a different character. It's very, very good. I think it's called Mortal Kombat Legacy, and all the episodes are on YouTube. So any Mortal Kombat fan who's listening and you haven't seen it, Definitely go check it out because it's it's really good story and the production value is really good too. I'm gonna go check that out. Um, it's well, really good. On October fifteenth, nineteen ninety two, Sega releases the controversial Night Trap video game for the Sega CD console. Did you ever play Night Trap? I did not, and I'd actually never heard of it. And when I saw that it was controversial, I'm actually looking at its Wikipedia page now. Uh, let's see. Plot concerns a group of young women who are the targets of the augers, who are vampiric beings who wish to take the women's blood. But it, the thing about it is it, it wasn't really a video game. It was more like a, a voyeur type of game where you're, you play kind of like this um, uh, security guard or whatever, but you don't really do anything. You just kind of flip between cameras like you're watching all everything going on like on a like a security camera setup. It's really weird. Yeah, there's a section on here about its controversy. It says Night Trap was cited in the 1990s congressional hearings concerning violent video games, uh, which included Night Trap, Mortal Kombat, Lethal Enforcers, and Doom. And they are considered to be primary factors in leading to the development of the ESRB game industry rating system. Yes, I'm seeing like there's a screen cap here. Um, I can see why this is controversial because there's this picture of a woman in a bathroom in a nightgown, and it looks like there's someone standing in the shower yeah. behind her, and it looks really creepy. But it's not <laughs> when you play the. If you go on YouTube and look at some of the gameplay from the game, it is awful. Yeah, it it looks like it. 
it really at the time like it was it. cool it was like oh we got you know we got live you know action uh full motion video and it, it was not good sounds like it but uh, on October 21st, Super Mario Land 2 Six Golden Coins is released for the Game Boy. The character Wario would later go on to star in his own series. Did you ever play Mario Land? Uh, I did not. Mario Land 2 was a very, very fun game. Uh, you had a lot of different power-ups that you couldn't get in any of the other Mario games. The story was Mario had his own island that was taken over by Wario, who was at the time his rival. He was the main villain of this game. Yeah. And Wario became so popular that uh, Mario Land 3 was actually a Wario game. And from there, he went on to star in his own series, and he's one of the most popular characters in the whole franchise. So um, I recognize the game mostly for that. I mean, gameplay-wise, it's your typical Mario platformer game for the Game Boy. Yeah. But some of the power-ups are really cool. Like, you get rabbit ears, and you can actually use them to glide, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But um, it, it, it was a fun game. I haven't played that game probably since it was on the original Game Boy or since I've had my original Game Boy. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I remember playing through it several times. Yeah, I just I never really got that into my Game Boy. I, I had one, but I think I only had, like, one game for it, and then I just kind of tossed it in the closet. Yeah, Game Boy was fun. Um, I remember going on a lot of long trips and always having that thing with me and trying to hold it, you know, in the right light because it didn't have a backlit screen. Yeah. Well, um, well, that actually is going to bring us into our final segment of the show. Derek is going to be doing our review for this evening, and here's a little bit of music. Good stuff. Yes. Good, good Atmospheric. stuff. This, I love that music. This week, I'm going to be reviewing a game that I actually discovered later um, once I started playing retro games on the virtual console, and that would be Super Metroid, originally for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Growing up, I was never really a big Metroid fan. Um, I, my uncle is a little bit older than I am, so I was around him a lot when he played video games, and I remember this being one of his favorites. And I tried playing it, but I could never really get into it. And then years later, I found it on the Wii Virtual Console, and I was like, well, I'll give this a shot. And once I picked it up, I couldn't put it down. Um, for those who have never played it, uh, this is kind of a description of it from Wikipedia. Super Metroid is an action-adventure video game published by Nintendo developed by its research and development division and programmed by Intelligent Systems for the SNES. It's a direct sequel to Metroid 2 Return of Samus. The player controls bounty hunter Samus Aran as she attempts to revive or retrieve a Metroid larva stolen by the space pirate leader Ridley. The gameplay focuses on exploration, with the player searching for power-ups that are used to reach previously inaccessible areas and introduces new concepts to the series, such as the inventory screen, auto-mapping facility, and the ability to fire in all directions. I never played the original Metroid, but I know its significance because playing it, everyone assumed that Samus was a man. Yeah. But what happened was, if you beat the game in a certain amount of time, in the post-credits, you saw Samus take her helmet off to reveal that She's a woman. And I remember that being such a big deal because there was never really a strong female character in any video game because you had the princess who was always getting kidnapped by a giant dragon. You had Princess Zelda who was kidnapped by a giant pig. And this was a woman that, you know, stood up and fought. And as the series progressed, you learn more about her backstory, um, how she got her suit um, how she got a lot of her training and really like more about her history, her rivalry with Ridley, who is basically like a giant pterodact pterodactyl dragon type thingy. 
Um, this game, I wouldn't call it my favorite Metroid game just because it was a game that I discovered later on. But it is a game that I very, very much appreciate because I know so many people who played the Super Nintendo and they absolutely loved Super Metroid. It's got really good graphics. Uh, you heard from a couple of minutes ago, the music is great. Um, the exploration part is really cool. I like that you can only get to certain areas and you have to find you know, a certain bomb that you have to have to access a certain area and you have to go back and do that. And there you'll get an upgrade to your laser gun so then you can go fight this boss that you couldn't beat previously. And then from there you'd get some other type of weapon or power-up that gets you into another area. So there's always something to do. And the ending, and this is like a mild spoiler for those who have never played it, but I mean it's been out for over 20 years. Um, you find this Metroid larva, which... The best way to describe a Metroid is it's basically like a giant space jellyfish. Mm -hmm. um, you rescue this Metroid larva, and the larva thinks that Samus is its mother. So you're fighting the final boss, Mother Brain, and you're about to lose. You're about to die. And the Metroid larva shows up, sucks some energy out of Mother Brain, and gives it to you. And right after that, Mother Brain kills the Metroid larva, which is also the last Metroid. So then you have to kill Mother Brain and make it off of planet Zebus, which is where the game takes place, before the planet explodes. So it's a really, really fun game. If you love sci-fi, if you love exploration, this is definitely a game for you. And a funny fact, this was the last Metroid game that came out for eight years. It came out in 94, and they didn't make another Metroid game till 2002. Yeah, I remember they, there was a, a good gap between those games. In 2002, they came out with Metroid Fusion uh, for the Game Boy Advance, which actually might be my favorite Metroid game of all time. It was actually the first one I ever played. And then also Metroid Prime for the GameCube, which made it a first-person shooter, which was a pretty big deal back then. Because I know a lot of Metroid yeah. fans were not fans of that, but it actually ended up being a really fun game. As far as the Metroid series go, uh, I never played past this game. Um, but Metroid, the original Metroid, was one of the first games that I ever bought for the Nintendo Um I remember it was one of those games that just I didn't hear much about it, but it just the box looked so mysterious. You know, it was like, what is this game about? And when you played it, you know, it was a it was a side scroller, 2D side scroller, but it was open world. And it was one of the first games to really do that. And you had your upgrades and all this kind of stuff, you know, that you could do upgrade your suit, upgrade your weapons. Um, and just the, the atmosphere of the game, w coupled with the music or sometimes lack thereof in the game, really gave it a sense of just loneliness. And like you were alone on this planet, you know, yes. like there's no help coming like you have to make it through this and just they really got that point across and it's just one of those games that just sucks you into it with you know that kind of gameplay just really sucks me into you know like the game and transports me to another place and that's why i have a you know great love for the metroid series up you know up to this point but i can't really speak much for the ones after this because i'd never really played any of the other ones so i played the original and i played this one the super metroid i and metroid 2 i i didn't play what's crazy is this is the 30 year anniversary of the metroid series wow i'm getting old <laughs> the first game came out August 6th, 1986. Wow. I was and nine years old. I was a couple of weeks away from being born. Wow. <laughs> Missed it by, let's see, that much. by a little less than two weeks. Wow. And Nintendo, they didn't really do anything for 
the 30 year anniversary, which I thought was kind of disappointing. Yeah, Nintendo's been really quiet lately. Guess they're gearing up for that NX. Yeah, I guess so. It better be a good launch. That, and that's what I would love to see, actually. I would like to see a new Metroid game along with uh, you know, a new Mario game, new Zelda. I would love to see a return to some of the lesser-known stuff from back in the day. I'd love to see a new Star Tropics game. Um, I would love to see some of the stuff that, you know, like I would love to see third-party stuff come out for the NX. I mean, they really need to bump it up this time around. Oh, absolutely. Now, with the Metroid franchise as a whole, this is something that I thought of whenever I played Metroid Fusion. Do you think that Metroid is one of those franchises that could make, if done correctly, a decent film franchise? Oh, absolutely. I think especially now when you are starting to have that influx of female heroes like Wonder Woman, like Black Widow, if you showed this woman who is wearing a battle suit that will just beat the shit out of space pirates, people th- would love that. I think if you could make the movie and have it have make make it like have a feel of like aliens or something like that. Y- yes, that's absolutely what I would do. That would be absolutely perfect. And it doesn't need to be all like, it doesn't need to be overly CGI. It just needs to be this woman who's on this planet um, trying to to do, you know, whatever she needs to do to get back off the planet. And I, you know, if you could find a good enough actress to do, you know, something like that where they act alone most of the time, you know, almost like a, uh, like the movie Castaway or something, you know, like something like that, but in space. It would be so good. It would be awesome. I would love to see that. I, w- I even think something like this could make a good series. That too, yeah. Put it on Netflix, which I remember reading a while back that Nintendo was interested in like releasing some of their IPs to do outside media stuff like movies, cartoons, and TV series. Because I can tell you right now, if I saw a Legend of Zelda movie trailer or a Netflix series trailer, I would probably melt in my chair. (laughs) Yeah, and I think Nintendo is missing huge opportunity, especially now. Now is the perfect time to do that sort of stuff. Now I'm kind of hoping that when they announce the NX, they're like, oh, Zelda's coming to Netflix. Yeah. (laughs) We have a Zelda series, a Metroid series. That would be awesome. Oh, if a Zelda series came out the day it would be released, I would not leave my apartment. I would walk the door. I'd grab, you know, popcorn. I'd grab a beverage (laughs) and I would just sit and watch. But yeah, Metroid is definitely up there as one of the uh, some of the best games that you can get for the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo. So if, if you come across any Metroid games, just just go ahead and pick them up because you won't regret it. Absolutely. And I, I do want to play the original one, too, because I've actually never played Metroid or Metroid 2. But, you know, I've played most of the ones that were Super Metroid and later. So I'd even love to go back and revisit the original one. The good thing about that is if you go back and play the original Metroid now, you can go online and get a map of where you need to go. Because back in the day, you had to draw yourself a map or you would get lost. I mean, you're talking about a game that is huge and you can get lost very easily. So I would sit there with, you know, with graph paper and draw maps of everywhere I've been in the game so that I knew how to get back to where I needed to go. That sounds crazy. Sounds very daunting, too. Not not really. It's just you get so into the game that you don't really care that you're having to do that extra work. It's weird. True. That is true. But uh, I would definitely recommend Super Metroid to anyone who owns a Super Nintendo. I think this is this is one of those iconic games for it. And as far as a, a score number, I would probably give it an 8.5 out of 10. Wow, that's definitely pick high. it up. <laughs> yeah, def- definitely, definitely pick it up. 
Oh, definitely. And uh, like I said, the first Metroid can't go wrong. I actually, it was one of the games that I had and I still had the box for it and everything. And I don't know where it is. I lost it in a move over the last few years that and punch out and a couple other games. So actually I was at the flea market and I saw a copy of Metroid, the original, the gray box Metroid. And they wanted like $37 for it, I think. And I was like, eh, I don't want to pay that for it right now. Yeah. So, But still, it's cool that you actually found it. Yeah, I, I do want to pick it up if I can find it somewhere for, for cheaper than that. I mean, I will pay that if I have to because it is worth it to me. But, you know, if I could find it somewhere for $10, $12, that, that's a much better bargain to me. Oh, totally. I totally agree. Wow, we went almost for an hour this week. We did. We had uh, we had a <laughs> we lot of good worried. discussion on this. This is actually one of my favorite episodes I we've know. done. Me too. We were kind of worried before, you know, with no news that uh, we weren't going to fill it out. But yeah, here we are coming up on 50 minutes. So I'm loving this. That was fantastic. But uh, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, call it a call it a week. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Um, I don't believe so. All right. Well, I think next week I'm going to be doing, uh, what was that? Fester's Quest. Yeah. So if you got Fester's Quest, break it out. You blow into the cartridge and play it a little bit. And we'll be talking about it next week. I can't wait. Yes. And it's the Halloween season. So it's, and actually I watched the Adams Family the other night too to get ready for it. Nice. (laughs) But uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can uh, email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, tell them what they can do. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.